you are experiencing the next episode of Startups for the Rest of Us. Today, I talk with co-host emeritus Mike Tabor. He co-hosted the show with me for the first 448 episodes, and now he comes on periodically to update us on his progress with his own startup, bluetick.io. Mike hasn't been on the show for almost seven months because he's had some things cooking in the background that he wasn't able to, to talk about. But the good news is Mike's back on the show today, and he and I have a conversation about what he's been up to over the past seven months and things he's thinking about with his startup, Blue Tick, as well as a reveal of what has been going on. He isn't able to reveal every detail, but it's enough that you know it gives you an idea of, of why he probably wasn't able to talk about it six, seven, eight months ago. And it's exciting stuff, and I'm hopeful for Mike as he moves forward. If you're newer to the show and you haven't heard of Mike before, again, he he co-hosted the show with me for the first big chunk of episodes. And now he's doubling down on bluetick.io, which is his SaaS startup. It's cold and warm email follow-up software, personal outreach at scale for all your follow-up emails. And with that, let's dive into our conversation. Mike Tabor, thanks for coming back on the show, man. Oh, thanks for having me. How are you doing today? You know, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm out here in uh, California. I don't think I've mentioned it on the show, actually. But we decided to take advantage of distance learning for the kids. And really, since our kids have been in school, this is the first time during a school year we could essentially travel, you know, or, or live somewhere else temporarily. As most folks know, I'm located in Minneapolis, which is just a lovely city. We've been there four years and decided to stay. We could have moved away a couple years ago. Decided to stay for the long term, but the winters are a bit of a bear. And we normally do a bit of traveling to warmer climates just for like three, four days each month during the winter, you know, three or four months in a row. And this year, kids are remote and they're on Chromebooks and iPads. And we were like, you know, why don't we just go to the central coast of California? We used to have an apartment out here. It was kind of a big, like, could we do that? And pretty soon it was like, yeah, find a kind of a more short-term rental and we're going to spend a couple months out here in the warmer weather. Although, you know, I got up this morning and it's like, I don't know, 39 degrees when I, when I wake up, but then, but the high is 55 or 60, right? It's like California winter versus East coast. I will say, I would love to get in on this distance learning. So just shoot me your address through like an email and I will send my kids so we can get this taken care of. Is that, is that what's going on? <laughs> so your kids are at home too, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How's that been, Mike? Oh, I've become the uh, the resident math tutor because apparently either the kids don't listen, they don't take notes, or they don't pay attention, or they don't know, you know, like the teacher isn't explaining it well, or what, I don't know what the exact problem is. But needless to say, they have a, a lot of problems with math. I mean, I'm not saying that they don't have a lot of problems with, their, with just getting the rest of their homework done, but man, it's just... It's brutal. Like some of the stuff that they're doing, I'm just like, my wife's just like, nope, that's all you. <laughs> so you're the math tutor. Yeah, that's the, I think for us, the challenge has not been with specific subjects because they have plenty of like face-to-face -face Zoom calls, Google Meets, whatever. It's that our kids we just wander off into YouTube and are suddenly backgrounding the <laughs> backgrounding the teacher, which is exactly what I would be doing if I was in the class. I'm going to be on. I would want the class recorded so I could watch it back at like 1.8x speed. And that's kind of how my, at least one of my kids, two of my kids, they want stuff faster. You know, they can their brain can process it so fast. So for them, it's it's wandering. And at home, I have a router where I basically, per device, can just be like, ah, they can't go to you know, gaming websites. They block YouTube or whatever. I can just do it all on my phone because I have the Eero router. But we are now at a new location. And uh, I can't do that here because I don't have access to the router. So it's been a, been a struggle. 
in theory, I could do that too, but a lot of their teachers post stuff on YouTube and they're, or they'll be like, oh, go watch this YouTube video. And then the kids are like, oh, I can't do my homework because you blocked YouTube. I'm like, dear God, you got to be kidding me. So here's how I worked around that. I blocked it on all the devices and then I have one iPad that is my old one. It's iPad mini and I have YouTube open on it. And when they need YouTube, they come to me and I hand it to them and then I set a timer or I have them sit in the office and watch the video and then leave. So I've had to lock down. It's, I'm not saying it's foolproof or whatever. It's kind of a pain to get interrupted when they need to, but these are the struggles. So I'm just going to send my kids to you. We've agreed on that, right? Yeah, do that. I'll, yeah, exactly. Put them on a, put them on a plane out to California. (laughs) I was going to put them in an envelope and just (laughs) FedEx them. (laughs) Mail them out. Jeez. So, sir, it's been 30 something episodes. It was 500 episode 501 is the last episode that you were on updating folks. And that was back in June of last year. So it was about seven months and a lot's, a lot's gone on for you. And I mentioned a couple times in some of the intros for other episodes in the meantime, that in essence, you had things going on behind the scenes that you basically couldn't or you know didn't want to talk about on the podcast and it was it was potential potentially exciting things for blue tech right for you and blue tech and this is of course one of the struggles with podcasts is you know you have to weigh how how transparent and open you're going to be about it but at this point you're in a place where we can at least talk a little more about it everything's not finalized so we're not going to disclose all the details but there's been a potential partnership brewing over the past I think, what has it been, eight months? You want to talk people through what what that looks like and and where it's at? Yeah. So it was probably about eight or nine months ago when I was talking to kind of a a fellow entrepreneur that I know. He has a couple of different businesses and the one he kind of wanted to collaborate on and with me on was it's like basically a CRM that he has for field sales reps. So essentially what it does is they either use a Android or an iOS app that they put on their phone. And then there's also a, a web-based SaaS component to it. And it's used by them to track their activities, but then it integrates directly into the CRM system so that their managers can get the reports. They can just like talk into their phone with their notes. If, so they go to a customer, talk into it, and then it just like transcribes stuff for them, tracks the phone calls that they make and they, that they receive. And then it also does email tracking. And that's kind of where Blue Tick comes in a little bit because of my background and knowledge and experience with synchronizing emails. I was able to help out quite a bit with that because they were having some issues. I won't say very early on because the business has been around for a while, but early on when I started kind of helping them out. So I kind of got a lot of that stuff straightened out. And the intent initially was like, okay, well, we'll have you come in and work for a couple of months to see how things work together. And meanwhile, he's got a couple of other businesses that, as I said, he's, he owns those and trying to offload those and um, sell them. And unfortunately, COVID hit and it really threw a wrench into the entire thing. So things have stretched on like substantially longer than either one of us thought that they ever would. I mean, the the whole plan was, oh, well, we'll do this for like three, four or five months or something like that. And now it's double that. And like we're looking at nine or 10 months at this point. So for me, I've been helping out with the technical side of things. They've got a sales rep, they've got a support person, and then they've got a, a development team that I've been working with. So I'm basically managing that development team and the support person and pretty much all of their infrastructure as well. And then also trying to look at ways that Blue Tick can plug directly into that. And we're at the point now where he sold the other business and is working essentially on this one more or less full time. And 
at this point, it's like, okay, well, let's actually work together for the three months or so, three or four months that we were going to before and see how things go and then try and figure out a, a way to make this work long term. Or is it something that after that three or four months, one or the other of us or both decide, hey, this just isn't going to work and we don't want to do it. Let's kind of part ways. Got it. So it's a piece of software that is, in essence, complementary to Blue Tech. Is that right? Yes. And are you talking, I mean, and you can say as much or, or as little as, as you know or are comfortable with, but are you talking about a potential merging of the two into a single entity or is it more like, hey, this is going to be a really tight partnership? That's an open question. Like neither one of us really knows the answer. It could be one, could be the other, could be both. Like I, I don't know and neither does he. So it's really, we have to kind of work through things for the next couple of months and see how things play out and see if there's a really good fit internally, like directly inside of the app, like is it going to be a merger and is it going to be both applications merged together? Or is it gonna be, we keep them separate and we just do like a really tight integration because there's implications around all that based on who owns what and how the profits are distributed between those two applications and the technical costs and all the other stuff that goes with it. And it's just, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of up in the air right now. So the plan is to just like, let's kind of work through things for the next couple of months, see how they work out. And I think the probably the most interesting thing that we started talking about was a way to sell blue tech to their existing customer base as essentially a done for you service. And we've kind of already mentally tag somebody that we know of that is familiar with both products and would be a good fit to essentially manage those email campaigns on behalf of the sales reps, because the sales reps who are using that CRM, they're probably not the greatest at like putting together email campaigns or managing them or anything like that. So it'd be easier for us to offer that as a service. And one, it gets you know more people using BlueTick and two, it gets more revenue in the door for BlueTick, but it also gets more revenue in the door for the CRM as well, it gets tighter integration into their existing customer base and really it's more of an upsell to the existing customer base. So I think there's a lot of opportunities and potential there, but we really have to just kind of buckle down and work through those things. And really just this stuff has really started to come together as of a couple of weeks ago. But again, it's going to be a uh, several months before we really know how things are all going to shake out. Yeah, it sounds like everything's on the table and you're both on the same page with that, which which is probably good. And it sounds like there's a lot of potential options, which is probably both good and bad. You know, when I think about selling an entire company, if I were just going to sell it for cash to a buyer, there's enough things to work out there. But the moment it's like, okay, now we have two companies and maybe we can partner maybe we merge them. Maybe we, you know, what is, if we merge, like what type of equity does, does each person get? I mean, there, there's a lot to be figured out there. So I think that it, it's super interesting and exciting. I know that, you know, obviously I know more details than you talk about on the show and I'm, I've said it a couple of times, but I'm excited for this as a potential. I think having, if it winds up that in essence, you do have a co-founder slash business partner, whatever you know term you want to say, I think that could serve you well in this space. And I think that you're, you have the, the tech stuff, you know, dialed in. I think you're, you're building a solid product, but there's always been a lot to do and getting the marketing engine going has just been, it's been challenging with everything else that's going on. And that's where having two people working on something allows for just so much more bandwidth, especially if their skill sets are not the same. And in this case, that's true, right? He's he's not a developer, the person you're talking to. He has a completely different skill set than you, you know, in a complimentary way, much like Intervolset and myself with Tiny Seed. Like he's just, you know, got the 
hold he's got more of the sales and the finance and working in spreadsheets type stuff and and I'm on the I'm on the other end. So I'm curious, do you see a danger if you know you've been working, you know, on stuff for a while now, like you said, eight to ten months, somewhere in there, and then you're talking about now working for another three months. What if you get to a point where either one of you or both is like, ah, this just isn't gonna work? Do you feel like you've wasted that time? Like it's kind of a wasted lost year? Or how are, how are you thinking about that? Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a part of me that wishes that everything had gone substantially faster. I mean, I think we're all like that, where we want things to move faster than they do. But I think that the whole pandemic really threw a wrench into a lot of things and it just caused delays that neither one of us really had anticipated or expected or could have accounted for in any way, shape or form. So if it came to that point where one or both of us wanted to just say, look, you know, this just isn't going to work out, would it be disappointing? Yeah, absolutely. And is it still a possibility? Sure, it absolutely is. And would I would I probably feel like I wasted a lot of time? Yeah, I would. I'm, I'm sure that I would feel that way. But at the same time, like, I, I know that I've done a lot of good things so far for that business and he is a friend. So it's not like it's the end of the world. You know, I've left them in a good position with a lot of things. And honestly, like I overhauled pretty much everything on their entire technical environment. I mean, one of the, the, the team of developers that I manage is like, a, I think right now it's about a dozen people. So um, there's a lot there. And there's been a lot going on and it's been a struggle to keep on top of everything just because there are so many moving parts, not just in that particular product with the, you know, the two mobile apps, the web app, all these backend jobs, the AWS infrastructure. And then I've got all the stuff that I'm managing on my side with Bluetick and Azure infrastructure and Google audit and all this other stuff. And I don't know, it's, it's been tough. It's been interesting. But to just, I mean, to answer your question directly, like, yeah, it is, it is a concern and it is a fear that I have, but honestly, like, what else can I do about it? Like, it's not a lot I can. Right. It's an opportunity that when it started to happen, you knew that it, it has a real potential upside. It has asymmetric upside because if it works, it could be game changing for you slash blue tech, you know, to, to partner up in this way. And the downside of course, is that you waste some time. And oftentimes as entrepreneurs, that's the the calculus that we have to do is to figure out is investing this time worth the potential upside. But again, if it works out, could this potentially turn into a business partnership that lasts five years or 10 years? And in, in that scale, in that frame of mind, it's like, oh, okay, if, well, if that happens, then you'll look back and say, that was a tough time, but certainly worth the risk. Right. And I can kind of see that now, like if, if it were to move forward and everything were to work out as kind of, I won't say best case scenario, but like a reasonably good case scenario. And I could definitely see that happening and working out really well. But you're right. Like if it doesn't work out, it's like, yeah, that sucks. And I wouldn't have called it like a complete waste of time either, because I do feel like I've learned a lot along the way. Yeah, you've learned a lot. And like you said, you you did help him and his team out. And there's something to be said for for feeling, you know, okay about that and feeling, yeah, just feeling like you made the best decisions you could along the way. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't think of anything where there's some additional piece of information that like, oh, I wish I'd known that three months ago or six months ago. Like even, even last year or early on, had I known that the pandemic was going to hit and it was going to cause it to take a lot longer for him to sell his business and come over into this one, would it have changed things? I can't say that I think it really would have too much. I, I don't know. It's it's hard to say right now, but I don't know as it would made it that much of a difference. And is is 
this other software product, is it further along than Bluetick? Is it, I don't know, more revenue? I guess there's a, there's a team working on it. So how would you, how could you describe where it's at? That's hard to answer because it definitely, it has more customers, has more revenue. It has a lot more technical challenges because it's never really been managed by anybody who had an understanding of technology. And the development team that's been working on it for years, uh, we actually uh, kind of switched from one to a, one development team to another. And they were in that process when I kind of first started working with them. They're the type of people who will do exactly what they're told, but don't necessarily like think ahead. They don't have like advanced architecture experience and, you know, modular programming, like all that stuff that goes with it. You would expect like from senior developers, it was just like handed over the wall and it's like, here you go. We need this done. And there wasn't a lot of consideration given to like architectural concerns. So, I mean, I cut, uh, what was it? I think around $25,000 a year off of their AWS bill so far. So, I mean, I've, I've saved a huge amount of money over there. But if you think about it from that perspective, just that number alone, like that's just the savings. And I still think that there's a ways to go with this just by re-architecting things and changing how things are done. And I could definitely cut the AWS bill by even more, but you can use that as kind of a, I won't say benchmark, but kind of a, a data point to say, well, that means that there's probably ways to plug Bluetick in and, you know, help grow that business as well. And like I said, there's a lot of the technology kind of sprawls across, you know, the mobile apps, the website, you know, integrating into the other services, things like that. So there's a lot of upside to it. There's a lot of potential and it's a matter of us kind of dividing and conquering. So it's for, it sounds like it's further along if you look at business metrics but it has more technical debt than Bluetick, right? Yeah, I, the technical debt piece. So I plugged a tool into it called Sonar Cloud that just basically analyzes the source code. And that told me that there was about like a year worth of technical debt associated with like just various pieces just by looking at the source code itself. There's logic that is different between the mobile apps and the web app. It's just, it's been a challenge to wrangle all the technological pieces of it and start fixing them. I mean, that's been my world for like the past six months or so is trying to manage that stuff and get things on track. And I would say like by and large, it's been extremely successful because during that time frame, like the number of, like I, I, there was a point where I was told that the number of incoming support requests per day were bordering on like 50 to 60. And I'm not sure how much stock I put in that actual number because I did, just didn't see a lot of them. But at this point, it's down to like a couple a day. It's really not not that hard to keep up with them. But it, it, early on, it was just like you breathed on th things wrong and it fell over. Like it was just really that bad. But things are just so much better now that... I won't say it's hands off because we are like we basically went through a redesign process where we're completely rebuilding the mobile apps from the ground up just because structurally everything was just a total disaster. So we've done that. We're just wrapping that up now and just at the point where we'll start we'll be in a point maybe within the next couple of days where we could start putting it in front of customers and having them take a look at it directly. And I mean, it's really just like a a rip and replace of like the old version does exactly the same things. It just looks better and it functions a lot better. That sounds like a challenge. I was going to say like a fun challenge, but actually that doesn't sound fun. That just sounds like a challenge, like a technical challenge to, to be all factual about it. So during this time, were you working full time or you had some time to continue working on blue tick on the side? 
so I would probably put it more along the lines of like if you had a full time job and that was it and you were trying to build a product on the side, Blue Tick was my side business that, like throughout. So I would say most of this. I think we're all familiar with <laughs> all familiar with that. So then talk to me then over this last and we don't have to go all the way back to seven months because I actually remember early on you were pretty engulfed by everything that was going on. It, you, you came into a, the technical situation and were trying to get a lot of stuff fixed. And I know that you kind of had blue tick. It was just, it was humming along, but you weren't investing a ton of time. But more recently, over the past few months, you mentioned to me that um, you're considering doing an AppSumo deal. Yeah, so I talk, I've been talking to them for a couple of months now. And, you know, I'm still kind of torn on that, to be perfectly honest. I haven't pulled the trigger. I haven't decided to move forward with it. I've had conversations with several people who have done AppSumo deals in the past. And one person I talked to said, think of it as like a freemium offering. Like you are using it as a channel to get people in and talk to them, learn about your products, be able to scale things up. And you will get a cash injection from it, but don't necessarily expect or think that you are going to get a lot of them to convert into like monthly paying customers because the whole, I'll say AppSumo's prime offering to most of their customers is they want a lifetime deal and it's, you know, you pay X dollars and you never have to pay for it again, which really puts something like BlueTick in a tough spot because if there are hard costs associated with like storage or processing or anything like that, then it really makes it difficult to offer that kind of thing and come out ahead. So I've really struggled with how to not just position that, but also to even put it into the AppSumo ecosystem for those reasons. I mean, if it costs, let, let's say that I have like three, four or five gigs worth of disk space storage on a per customer basis, if I get a couple thousand people in really quickly, you know, that's a, could be a hefty chunk of change depending on how much data each of them has. And I have no way of knowing what that's going to be in advance. Yeah. And that's, that's tough. I guess one thing to think about is I think the majority of AppSumo users will either not redeem the coupon or will redeem it and then not actually use it. So th there's a good chunk that, that won't actually consume that much disk space or that much cost. But yeah, you do have to think about this. It is a bit of a gamble. To give folks an idea, you know, if you're listening to this, I did an AppSumo deal way back in the day. I think it was like 2012 with Hittail and made somewhere, I netted somewhere around $11,000, dollars $12,000. I did another one later that netted about the same. Uh, Ruben Gomez came on this podcast to talk about his doc sketch. Well, he was talking about doc sketch and a bunch of stuff he was doing. And he mentioned on the air that he made about 30, 30 to 35 grand from his AppSumo deal. And I think that's so much more than mine, A, because the AppSumo list is so much larger now, uh, you know, it's nine years later. And B, I think they've gotten better at doing the deals. Like they, they pretty much do lifetime only now. Um, they really encourage lifetime only because that's, that's what their AppSumo people like. And I think they know how to price them better and, and, and all that. And perhaps, Stock sketches, you know, just a better fit for the for the AppSumo audience as well. But the things that I I pulled out of Ruben and kind of in my own experience is, you know, AppSumo deals are are good for your app if it you're, it's relatively low support. There's not a ton of onboarding. You don't expect it. You know, it's not complicated. Like I imagine doing an AppSumo deal with Drip, and that would be a nightmare, right? Because it's just a complicated app. There's a lot to it. Low per user cost, as you're saying, low or no per user cost, which also, you know, for you and for Drip, there, like for Drip, we had 
cost to send emails. So for the next infinity years, you can have a list of up to a thousand people sending emails. That would be a, you know, that would have been a cost against us. And then usually uh, some type of virality. If your app has just even the modicum of virality and which, which drip did have, right. Where you had that powered by widget, uh, you had powered by drip on the, on the widget. And, you know, with doc sketch as an example, Ruben has the um, powered by doc sketch and all that every document that gets sent out is some type of virality. So those are three factors that I, you know, I keep in mind and have heard from, from others who are thinking about this. So I hear you. The hard cost thing is is a gamble. I mean, if you took 20 or 30 grand away from the deal and then 60%, 70% of people didn't really use it, do the numbers work out for doing this? So I've run them in a couple of different ways. And initially the answer was no, but I've looked at kind of what things I could change to, to try and make it work. And there are things that I could do that I believe would address some of those problems, but those are technical things that I would need to change in the product in order to make that happen and make it work in a way that would be cost effective for me. And I haven't done them yet, but I, I have kind of evaluated them a little bit and said, well, if, if I make these changes over here and I would reduce this cost over there, what does that ultimately mean? And I do think that there's a way to make it work. I just haven't mapped out every single little detail. I, I do have it on my list of things to do to like go through through that. And I'm, I'm probably like a quarter of the way through of all the list of things that I need to look at and evaluate. And I don't know how long it would take to do those things. That's part of what I'm kind of working through. But it is something that I would expect to know within the next couple of weeks. Like, what does that actually look like? What would it take if I were to pull the trigger tomorrow? Like, when could those three things be done? Would they be done in time? Because obviously, like, they would have to be done in time because otherwise I'd end up going bankrupt from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they book way out right now, right? I think they're three, four months out when you book a deal. So it gives you time to do it. Does Blue Tick have virality? Does it have a powered by Blue Tick in email footers or something? That's the thing is that it really doesn't. And there is stuff that I could put in there. And that would be one of those other technical considerations of like, I could put in the footer of the emails that are being sent out, oh, powered by Blue Tick. And then if you're on a, you know, I know that they probably would not be terribly happy about that. But like if it was, if it said that and, you know, like the AppSumo customers who are not paying on a monthly basis, I could justify doing an AppSumo deal where I'm not going to get any additional revenue from them, you know, going forward, if that were in there and if there was that viral component, but there really just, there just isn't right now. So that's something else I've struggled with. Cause like, I agree with you, like it needs to be a marketing channel of some kind. And if you can't leverage it into the future with those users, does it really help you? And I struggle to say yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it, it'll help with short-term cash infusion and it can help with customer development for sure. You might discover that if you get a thousand or 2000 new users, you will start seeing usage patterns and perhaps even there's a vertical, an industry vertical that uses it and it just gets a ton of value out of it. You know, mortgage brokers or, you know, realtors or just something where you're like, wow, this, this really is the, the use case for it. So there could be learnings there. I think the virality thing, I mean, maybe talk to AppSumo to find out what they think, but I wouldn't be opposed to adding that Powered by Blue Tick link if that's a deal breaker, which I don't know, it kind of feels to me like it would be for me, then it's kind of like, hey, if we can, if I can do this and put it in on the free, on what's essentially a free plan or a lifetime plan, but it's upgrading to paid removes it. I don't know. We, we you know, we had that with Drip, right? Where the $49 plan had a Powered by Drip link and on the $99 plan, there was a toggle to turn that off. 
and that was just part of it. And that was, that was part of the people wanted it turned off. That's fine. You just need to upgrade. So again, I wouldn't be opposed to doing that or think that it would uh, upset people unless the AppSumo, the, the folks that you're talking to there will know whether that's a good idea to do or not. Yeah. I haven't talked to them about that specific piece of it. It's just something I came up with as an idea. So that's something I still need to talk to them about. And then the other thing that I've actually considered is when somebody told me, think of them as freemium users, it did occur to me like, well, if I'm already evaluating the things that I would need to do in order to essentially create a freemium version of Bluetick, what would it look like at a grand scale? Like, could I actually put something like that together and then offer it directly, not necessarily as part of, of AppSumo, but like just directly from the website. Could there be a, a freemium plan for Bluetick that does have those viral components that would essentially help with marketing? It crossed my mind, haven't really dug into that a little bit, but it, it is something I'm keeping in mind as I go through and try to make my list of things that I think need to change in order to make an AppSumo deal viable. I'm I'm iffy on a free plan with Bluetick. Um, probably need more discussion if we were to actually get into it. But I feel like one of the advantages of doing it with AppSumo is you you instantly get exposure to their whatever it is million person list or seven hundred fifty thousand person list, and it it's worth it at that point. But if you're going to just set up a free plan and let people trickle in, I'm not sure personally that it's worth the effort there. No, I mean, like do it in addition to like, oh, here's an AppSumo deal. And then there's also this freemium version of it. So it's kind of like, that's like entry level. And then there's the AppSumo deal. And then there's like the regular paid plans, kind of like in between. That's what, that's more what I mean. Yeah, I don't know. Scaling, I think is an issue I would be concerned about, but I guess you already have to be concerned about that with, with the AppSumo deal, right? Yep. Anyways, that's, yeah, that's an interesting, interesting thought. So... Well, that's cool. Next time next time we chat then, I'd love to hear your thought process about whether you decide to do it or not. I think it's one of those things that obviously there's potential risk. The risk really is that longer term it costs you some money or that it's scaling is just too hard, you know, that, that essentially crashes your servers or really brings your service down, which would be a bummer. Because I don't feel like the risk is not that you're that you're chewing through all of your of your customer base or anything like that. Like they, I think AppSumo really does have reach that could be helpful to you and even not only in getting people in there, but I remember when I did the Hittail AppSumo deal that a bunch of people signed up through the deal and then a bunch of people signed up not through the deal. They just signed up as normal users. And I don't know why that happened, but it's like people just heard about it. It's like when AppSumo stomps its feet, the ripples just go far and wide because there's a million people on that list, you know, and it just gets talked about. And so suddenly your name is just being bandied about in Facebook groups or in, you know, Slack groups or whatever. And I could see it being, I would expect it to actually drive non-AppSumo signups to Bluetech. So that's the other advantage. If I were in your shoes personally, I would lean towards doing it because I, I just think, again, it comes back to asymmetric risk. If it doesn't work, oh, that sucks. But if it works, there's a potential to really, you know, expand your MRR in a, in a pretty quick fashion, as well as drive some quick cash that you could use to grow the business. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing I've, I still have to look at is in terms of the numbers is let's say that I got a bunch of users in from AppSumo and they were lifetime deal users. Like I'm going to have to eat whatever the cost is for those users. And the question is, well, what what actually would that cost be moving forward and how many additional customers would I need to bring in as a result of the AppSumo stomp and that ripple effect? Like how many 
additional customers could potentially come in that would just completely nullify whatever those costs happen to be. And is the net effect of that positive or negative? And my suspicion is that it would be positive and, you know, I would lean towards doing it myself, but I, I just still need to sit down and run some of those numbers a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, given that your price plans are 50 a month, 150 a month and 500 a month, I, as an entrepreneur, I'm a little bit of a gambler and I like, I like those kind of risks. Now I say that if I were in your shoes, I would do it. I would, I would need to feel comfortable with the scaling, both technical and support. Cause that's the other thing is recently folks who, who do these deals, if they don't already have at least one full-time support rep in addition to themselves, um, they often like staff up just a little bit because there's like two or three week period where there are hundreds and hundreds of requests coming in and you have to be everywhere at once. So that would be the other thing is you have to justify that expense as well. Yeah. I guess a couple of different people suggested to me that I hire a support rep, even if it's only for a couple of weeks during the initial launch of the AppSumo deal to answer questions, answer emails, uh, help people through as needed and kind of help serve as a filter so that I'm not doing absolutely everything myself. Yeah. So on another topic, are we resuming the startups for the rest of us drinking game where whenever we mention the Google security audit, everyone takes a shot? <laughs> what, why? Why are you doing this again, Mike? Why would you do another audit? I have to. Like it's a it's basically an annual audit. And it, it's been a year already. It's so yeah, it's crazy. So you have another audit coming up. What do you want to catch people up on on what that is or where where it's at? I've said this before, like, and I wholeheartedly agree that it just is completely applicable to this. I either want less corruption or more opportunity to participate. And this whole thing is just an absolute utter scam. It really is. And, you know, I got a, uh, a price quote uh, yesterday. It was last night at like seven or eight o'clock at night. And I just looked at it. I'm like, mm, yeah, that's that's not going to happen. <laughs> so so they did an audit for you last year. So just to catch people up like Google, since you tie into Google's Gmail APIs that they, you need this security audit, it was a long running thing for like a year or year and a half on Startup for the Rest of Us, where you would come on an update, yeah, this audit's a pain in the butt, it's expensive and blah, blah, blah. And eventually you, you negotiated, you decided to bite the bullet and do it. And then you had to negotiate it way down and then you got it done. And it was, I remember the episode where we celebrated that it was done and, and all that. And now here a year later, you essentially need to, to do it again and, and have it updated. And they gave you a quote and it's more than the initial audit last year, but you already have like everything in place, right? I mean, you already have, I'm, I'm assuming there's a bunch of documents and a bunch of other stuff you need and that's all done. So how can they possibly justify raising it? Shouldn't it be a, a maintenance, you know, a half the cost? That's what I would think. And that's the thing. That's what they told me when I first had it done. They're like, oh, well, if you have this done in a year, if you come back and you use us, then it should essentially be reduced because you won't have to pay as much the next time because you'll have already gone through this process once. And of course, you know, fast forward one year and I ask them for a price quote, they do everything and they send me the price quote and it's almost double what I paid initially. And I'm like, wait a second. No, hold on. So I sent them an email this morning saying basically like, look, you know, this is what I was told. This is what you guys said to me. And essentially what you're saying now is that literally everything that we did, we're just going to throw it all out because it's all completely worthless and it can't be used at all. And in addition to that, the cost is double because the work that needs to be done at this point is double what the initial work was 
including like all of that we initially did was worthless. And I'm like, something's not adding up here. Like you need to explain this. So I feel like there's a lot of room for them to, you know, <laughs> come back down to like reality. So we'll see what they say. I mean, I'm getting quotes from three different companies, so I'm not too worried about it, but I mean, it, it is something that like kept me up at night and made me get up early this morning. And I just, I know that for a fact, because it's like when I woke up this morning, it was four o'clock in the morning and it was the first thing on my mind. I'm like, man, this sucks. This is like already impacting my sleep. And I know that I can do something about it. I know that we're going to be able to figure something else out, but it's just a pain. Yeah, it's been a long running pain. So it's a bummer it comes so soon in quotes. I mean, it just feels like we were just talking about it, but I suppose a, you know, a year has passed since since that. So no other updates at this point on it, right? I mean, it's just like you'll negotiate, you'll find another vendor and then you'll just do it again. You know what to expect this time, right? Cuz you've already been through it. So it shouldn't shouldn't be too many surprises. And I do talk to other people who have to go through it. So it's not like I have zero visibility or information about the things that are upcoming that need to be taken care of. I mean, I already have an expectation in my head of like, oh, I need to go do this before we actually get started with the audit. Right now, I'm just getting the price quotes. But on the side, I'm also like looking at those things and saying, all right, I need to get this done. I need to get that done. And because otherwise, they'll just come up and they'll say, hey, oh, that's a finding. You need to fix that before we'll approve it. So I'm going to have to do it anyway to be continued in our next conversation, sir. It's always great to have you on the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's uh, good to be back. Yeah. It's fun catching up with you. And you and I, I think I've only caught up maybe one time. Well, no, that's not true because we've emailed and done some text, but in terms of voice, we, we only had like one voice call since uh, the last show. So it's good to, good to get you on here and kind of get dual purpose for me to hear about the ins and outs of what's going on and also create an update for the long running startups of the rest of us fans. So Thanks again for coming on. Are you active on Twitter these days? A little bit here and there. So like, I check in maybe once a week or maybe once every other week or something like that. Kind of depends on the week, but I don't really have a whole lot of time for it. I mean, I'll, honestly, like I'm, I'm starting to kind of come back out of my shell a little bit. I just, for there was that one year period where I just did not touch Twitter at all. And then I started posting a little bit a couple of months ago and I've slowly been kind of easing back into some things social media but not a huge amount and i'm still i'm still not in consumption mode by any stretch of the imagination but i'm still getting i'm starting to slowly unfurl that and if folks want to keep up with us there they can go to at single founder for you and at rob walling for me it's great to have you back man oh thanks thanks again to mike for coming on the show it's always a pleasure having him on and just easy conversation he and i have had a lot of on and off air conversations over the years so I do enjoy the episodes when he's able to to make it on. A couple of folks have asked me recently how they can maybe give something back to me or back to this podcast that's been running for, you know, for free for more than 10 years. And realistically, leaving a review or a five-star rating always helps. Also, just a tweet or something on LinkedIn about perhaps how this podcast has impacted you or just a testimonial of, hey, this is a a great show. And if you're a founder, you should check it out. We are at Startups Pod on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. And I'll be back in your earbuds again next Tuesday morning.